Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Very glad you've joined us today, and we can promise very interesting conversation on a very important topic. Uh, we have come back uh, for, I believe, his third visit, Brendan Ahern, who has visited with us several times on Strategic Investor Radio, Chief Investment Officer of Crane Shares, a family of China-based ETFs with $1.4 billion in assets. He speaks to us from their headquarters in New York City. Brendan, welcome to Strategic, welcome back to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you very much for the opportunity to reconnect, Charlie. So, Brendan, uh, Crane Shares, uh, you guys uh, have now six. You, you, you guys launched KWEB, K-W-E-B, uh, one of your first uh, ETFs about four years ago. You've now grown to six ETFs. Uh, KWEB's received a lot of attention because of performance and, and other things. And recently, Crane Shares has been purchased, at least majority shares, by CICC. So let's start with ask, tell us who CIC is. Is, CC is and why that's good news. So China International Capital Corporation was formed in the mid-1990s as a joint venture between Morgan Stanley and China Construction Bank to form the first investment bank in China focused on international orientation. Um, since its founding in the mid-90s, Morgan Stanley has exited its position in it, but um, it's majority owned by China Investment Corporation, uh, China's largest sovereign wealth fund with nearly a trillion in assets. GIC, which is one of the sovereign wealth funds for uh, the country of Singapore, as well as TPG and KKR, two well-known U.S. private equity firms, and most recently, um, a company called Tencent. Uh, bought a piece of CICC. Tencent is actually the largest company in emerging markets today. Market capitalization of uh, about $400 billion U.S. Yeah, and we're very familiar on, the, with, uh, on this show, uh, Brendan, very familiar with Tencent. So uh, obviously you guys are well-funded here. Yes, yes. I mean, I think we've, you know, uh, Charlie, you've been very generous in um, giving us opportunities to connect with, with your listeners over the years. And we've been able uh, to build the company, going out there, telling the story and, uh, you know, certainly uh, bringing in a well-capitalized partner uh, is very reassuring to all of our shareholders. And then certainly for us, you know, to be the leading provider of China education and insights, we're now owned by uh, a company that has over 70 individual stock analysts in China, economists, strategists. Uh, so we're really excited to bring further insights to our investors. Well, certainly uh, greater resources. So first of all, let's start with an update on China's economy and business environment. Uh, let's make it brief. I know you could talk about it all day long. <laughs> what we typically read in the Wall Street Journal, as we have for the last several years, oh, my goodness, who would invest in China? Things are going south. Uh, they're not honest. We don't really know what's happening there, etc. Give us the real story, will you? 
So the economy continues to be in an upswing um, over the weekend. Um, we had the purchasing man, um, uh, PMIs, purchasing managers indices released, very positive, showing China's continued strengthening economy, which I, I think China's says almost the proverbial middleman in global trade means uh, that maybe the global economy is doing a little bit better than anticipated. So things are going great. I think a, a great example of that is looking at, you know, we talked about Tencent, right? Tencent, uh, they grew their last earnings by over 50%. Um, it's very, very difficult to find companies with a market capitalization of more than $300 billion. Uh, that are growing revenue at more than 50%. Um, Tencent's actually joined by another one of our top holdings in K-Web, Alibaba. Alibaba grew their earnings over 50% last quarter. Okay, well, congratulations. And, and you know, China's moving forward. We're going to talk about that more as, as we talk here. What are the most common misperceptions regarding investing in China that both investors and their advisors typically have? Because you talk to these folks often. Well, that's a good question, Charlie. I, I think the, the main issue around China is there's been this view that China's still an export-driven manufacturing economy. Um, and I think China's really evolved. Uh, you know, our K-Web, our China Internet, really holds those domestic consumption names that's taking place online. And the performance of that segment of China's economy uh, is doing doing very well. Um, I think the uh, sometimes there's an overemphasis on some of the liabilities in China. Um, and there are liabilities, of course. But it, if you're saying there's liabilities, that's recognizing that there's a balance sheet. And within a balance sheet, there's two sides of the ledgers. And one side is liabilities and one side is assets. And so we try to provide a balanced perspective by talking about some of the assets uh, some of the th positive things taking place in China, and ultimately, China is grossly underowned by investors. So, the United States' largest economy in the world, 52% of the world's market capitalization. China, second largest economy in the world, 3%. Um, you hold more Switzerland and France in your portfolio, even though they have GDPs one tenth the size of China. So. Uh, we think there's this vast underinvestment in China, and that that disparity will be rectified over time. So tell us, but before we move on from this uh, general conversation about China, people often express concerns about corruption. Okay, that the, re the financial reporting is not accurate. There is bribery. There are stained uh, state-owned enterprises, and you know there's nothing but but issues there when you have state-owned enterprises. Tell us what you guys see in terms of corruption in China, and are there improvements there? So President Xi, um, at the latter part of October, there's um, um, big government meetings taking place. Uh, he'll start his second term. President Xi, over the last five years, has pushed a uh, very, very strong anti-corruption campaign. And so certainly that corruption campaign has really filtered through all parts of not only uh, society and the economy. So, so things have changed pretty dramatically in regards to, say, corruption. Um, that's not to say it doesn't exist. But certainly for us, we want to be diversified in our investments. You don't want to have 
a single line item in a portfolio. You want to want to make sure you, stay, you know, maintain a diversification. Uh, but China, you know, China is a big economy, and um, parts of China's economy are doing quite well. You know, we love the uh, domestic consumption story. Uh, we've always wanted to invest in line with government policies. If that's domestic consumption. Um, and more recently, the uh, One Belt, One Road initiative. Yeah. So let's talk about that here. Uh, one Belt, One Road, uh, what you, uh, sometimes is called the Silk Road Economic Belt, is the China-centered trading network with about 60-plus uh, countries throughout the world. And they're planning to invest about six trillion dollars into projects and you guys just launched a mutual an ETF based on that so tell us about it first of all one belt one road initiative itself so the one belt one road initiative is front page news on a daily basis in China today it is the number one policy so as students of China's economy and capital markets um, you know, we've become very familiar with One Belt, One Road just because of its prominence. Not not just economically, but just literally. On, it's a front-page news item every day in China. As investors, you know, as we put that investor's hat on, we've always believed you always want to be aligned with government policy, and, and that's, that's domestic consumption. And then certainly with One Belt, One Road, uh, just to your point, Charlie, this is uh, 69 countries have entered into agreements to develop infrastructure um, really coming into and out of China in terms of regional trade. So, so China's being connected by the old Silk Road uh, to the Middle East, to Europe, uh, to Africa, and, and then by the Maritime Belt, connecting ports and infrastructure, logistics and warehousing. So we know that to, in order to accomplish accomplish this over the next several decades, that there's literally trillions of dollars in projects are going to get built. And we want to hold those companies or you know, a basket of those companies that we think have a, a higher probability of winning uh, winning those projects and doing the construction or you know sending you know building the the ships or the ports. We want to raise that probability of of our success that. Uh, those companies will uh, win those projects, and that will be uh, prosperous for, for the companies and hopefully for us as shareholders as well. Uh, Brendan, this is very interesting. We need to take a short break. When we come back, let's step into the tall weeds here uh, a little more and talk about the ways that an investor could benefit from this One Belt, One Road initiative here of China and 60-plus other comp- uh, countries. Again, we're talking with Brendan Ahern, a uh, several-time guest here on Strategic Investor Radio with Crane Shares. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Again, this is Charlie Wright, and we're talking with Brian Goligoski, founder, CEO of Stillwater Capital out of Santa Barbara. Brian, for those who may not be familiar with Stillwater Capital, give us 20 seconds here. So we are a registered investment advisor focused on both the big picture, but also we focus heavily on alternative investments, specifically hedged equity strategies that try to take advantage of disconnects in the market. What do your clients get that others don't get elsewhere? In hedge strategies, specifically how we offer them in a liquid, transparent form, they get exposure to the markets, but they also have downside protection vis-a-vis the short-selling aspect of it. 
it's hard to come by, and we think we do a pretty good job at it. Yeah, Long Short uh, is a challenging place. It has not done well over the past few years. What do you see moving forward with Long Short? Part of the challenge with Long Short is everybody been running on a relatively low net exposure. We don't do that. We can run at a high net long or a reasonably aggressive short. So our idea is that we're going to try to take advantage of situations like we have right now where there probably is a decent chance of some air pockets out there. And we're trying to find individual companies that are facing some headwinds that aren't priced into the market. And you used to uh, run the Long Short Fund for Nuveen, correct? Correct. I ran a mutual fund for Nuveen for four years from inception to the end of 2012. I've been doing some form of this since 1996 when I first entered the business when I worked for Mark Strom at Strom Investment Management. Okay, so uh, you also write a newsletter this week in the markets. How can people get that? You can contact us by sending an email to contact at stillcap.com. That's S-T-I-L-L-C-A-P.com, and we'll sign you up. It's a Friday piece, a little top-down, bottom-up, and send you on your way with some happy diversions. Hey, Brian, thank you very much for joining us today, and best of luck to all of us with productive investing. Indeed. Thank you, Charlie. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Brendan Ahern, of, uh, Chief Investment Officer of Crane Shares. So, Brendan, I'm sure many of our listeners have not heard of One Belt, One Road. Uh, I have not known about it for, uh, you know, very long, and I read the Wall Street Journal every single day. So this is a project but that's really spearheaded by China that involves, you say, 69 different countries, and it includes infrastructure, construction, railway, highway, auto, uh, real estate, power grid, iron, steel, maritime, all of these connections between these various countries that China works with in order to improve and increase their working together. So that's what the project is all about. And China's funding much of it, and then some of it is privately funded and other countries as well, uh, correct? That is that is correct. Yeah, funding is uh, China's established the uh, Silk Road Fund. Uh, thus far, it's uh, up to forty billion in registered capital. There's also the Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank. That's uh, got about a hundred billion U.S. The fifty-two members, fifty percent of those uh, of that hundred billion is coming from China. Fifty percent from the other 51 countries, and then there's the New Development Bank, uh, which has about $100 billion in, in registered capital. That's comprised of the BRIC countries, so Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And this is about to be launched. Have they started uh, the planning? Have they started any construction phases? Where are they in these projects? It's it's happening as we speak, Charlie. There's a, a multitude of projects that have already been funded. I don't think you've probably been on the China-Laos Railway. Uh, <laughs> not lately. It's been a while. Not, not recently. <laughs> uh, there's the Jakarta-Bandung High-Speed Railway. In Malaysia, there's construction on... Uh, on both the East Coast as well as the Southern uh, Railways. Uh, there's a uh, hydropower station in um, Pakistan being built. In Indonesia, there's another power station being built. There's actually a highway um, being paved between Karachi and Lahore. Um, so, so it's happening as we speak, and it, it's only going to pick up steam in, in the years to come. So, Brendan, tell us how you guys invest and One Belt, One Road. We love the idea of raising the probability of holding these companies. So we went to MSCI. MSCI is the 
leading index provider here in the United States, over $10 trillion of benchmarked assets. So we went to an expert in indices and gave him this idea and said, you know, how do we how do we actually make this idea investable? So we know we know certain Chinese companies are going to be winners. Uh, but then there's also companies that are going to be outside of China are going to be winners. So so we look at all of the countries within MSCI all country world as well as frontier as well as their uh, China indices. Uh, we're then looking at those 69 countries. Uh, we're then looking at uh, specific sectors that we think are related to the One Belt, One Road initiative. And then finally, we're looking that up to individual companies. So we have this kind of filtering process that takes place that comes up with the portfolio that we hold today in OBOR. Okay, and so the portfolio is uh, is invested in publicly traded companies in about how many countries, but primarily in China? Is that... So we know Chinese companies um, are definitely going to be beneficiaries. That's um, a, an element of building is this... Uh, China's urbanized in a big, big way over the last several decades. So, so Chinese companies have a high level of expertise. So over 40% of the uh, country allocation is dedicated to Chinese companies uh, specifically. And then the remainder is, is allocated across uh, the other countries that we think will be, will be beneficiaries, um, you know, countries like Russia, India, uh, Pakistan, Kazakhstan, um, a pretty pretty diverse mix um, from within the um, predominantly emerging market and frontier world. Okay, and uh, for many of these countries, they don't have a very big uh, stock market, so not all of the companies who will be uh, beneficiaries of these funds and of this project will be publicly traded companies. How, how do you guys deal with that? So that that is true. Um, that you know, there certainly are private companies that aren't amongst uh, our 89 holdings today. Um, at the same time, you know, we're looking at uh, the companies that we can invest in in a liquid form, such as an ETF, which provides daily liquidity. You know, we can buy and sell on a for individual investors on a daily basis. So, so yeah, that's a that's a little bit of the pros and cons with any strategy. Um, that the, there's no pie in the sky investment that solves all of those issues. So yeah, I, I would agree there are private companies. At the same time, those would be difficult to access. Okay, and you say that there are 89 positions. And how often do you guys change those? Are you working on that at a what? Well, well, does MSCI change them? I guess. Uh, so, yeah, on a daily basis or uh, how often here? On a semi-annual basis, we'll relook at um, at the holdings, add new companies as uh, MSCI fits. So, so the, the great, the beautiful thing about the index is that it adheres to MSCI's global investable market indices methodology, which uh, at 172 pages we believe is the most important document in finance today because it dictates how over 10 trillion of assets are invested in our OBOR index adheres to that same uh, methodology. Okay. Well, that ought to be uh, a strength and uh, an asset for you, I, I would think, here. So uh, OBOR, uh, that's the ticker? That is correct. Yep. Okay. And you just recently started that? 
Yeah, we just got the fund up and running two weeks ago. Um, you know, it took a process of uh, working with MSCI on basically taking this concept, this idea, and actually making it investable and making sure that we have the companies from the right sectors and right countries in terms of potential investments, as well as making sure we're grabbing companies that have enough economic exposure that uh, it meaningfully is going to move the dial if if they win these contracts. So it's uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been it's taken some time. You know, you want to do it you know, with an ETF. You know, most of the work is done up front and um, on, on, on kind of pre-launch. So uh, now it's just a matter of going out and kind of telling our story to prospective investors. So it sounds like the criteria for inclusion into the index uh, is not necessarily performance of these different companies, but their position. Uh, they're likely to be positioned, they are positioned to likely benefit from the OBOR uh, project. That is correct. We want to, you know, we know as investors in China that you always want to have this, um, um, you know, being aligned with government policies. So it's, it's hard for us to say exactly who's going to win a contract, right? But by buying a basket of securities within those, say, right sectors or subsectors from the right countries, we think it raises that probability. So, yeah, yeah we can't, you know, obviously there's no, no guarantee of, of that, but we think of much, much higher probability. So, uh, Brendan, let's step back just a little bit uh, and talk uh, more in general here about Crane Shares. Uh, you guys, again, have six ETFs now. For an investor who has not invested in China in any way, including uh, w- with Crane Shares, how would you recommend or how do you recommend that they start? Do they start with KWeb? Do they start with, you know, 25% in four of them? How would you recommend that they start investing in China? with with um, your, your funds? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, every investor has their own philosophy of risk tolerance, and, uh, you know, that's that's something that, you know, we're either working with an advisor or, you know, you have to obviously ascertain that. You know, kind of our view is you know, China already is about a third of, of, of emerging markets, and that's likely going to be increasing over time. So, so I, I kind of think about you know K Web is kind of more if if you are a growth investor you know kind of uh, technology you know K Web um, is almost like the Fang stocks of China so to speak. Um, at the same time, you know there are value up if you're more of a value investor. So we've got a fund uh, our MSCI China A fund KBA uh, that holds kind of lower valuation securities. And then obviously OBOR, we think kind of falls kind of somewhat in between. So yeah, we've got, you know, I think it it goes back to one, just doing your research, knowing your risk tolerances, Um, holding individual countries is going to be a little bit more volatile than say broad base type strategies. So, um, you know, we tend to be part of a broader emerging market allocation, which again is uh, dependent upon individuals, but in, in a lot of cases runs about uh, you know 10 to 15 percent of of uh, portfolio, and, and we're part of that 10 to 15 percent. So, Brendan, in question, we'd like to ask all of our guests, what keeps you awake at night? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, I've got three you know, three little kids, <laughs> so I tend to sleep very well between work and play. <laughs> we're playing with them, but I, I I think for us, you know, we 
we, we've got a great story. We want to go out and keep telling it. And you know, what keeps me up at night is um, they're trying to kind of think of ways to um, innovatively bring that message. And so obviously participating in today is uh, a privilege that uh, we take very seriously and uh, are very appreciative of. Well, we're, we're glad you are. Uh, second question we'd like to ask our guests, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Uh, well... A great book. I'm, uh, you know, I've I've spent the last 16 years in the uh, exchange traded funds world, and I've seen how it's grown. Just, uh, just really um, incredible to see the continued growth of of exchange traded funds. Uh, and there's a great book. It's full of Jared Dillon is a friend of mine. Um, he's a great investor and, and writer. Uh, but Jared ran uh, Lehman Brothers ETF trading desk, and when you run trading at a big, big bank like uh, like Lehman Brothers was, you have a global macro type perspective. And Street Freak is Jared's experience running um, a, a trading desk. I think it's a great book for anyone who uh, is into ETFs. I think it's the best book about how a Wall Street trading desk actually operates. So you get a, f- a few different interesting perspectives, and then um, Jared has a great personal story about his evolution as a person. Uh, so it's a great, great book on multiple points. Okay, and the title again is Street Freak? Street Freak. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. That has not been recommended by others, Brendan. So thank you very much for expanding our horizons here. So for those who would like to know more, where can they go? So craneshares.com. We have a wealth of educational information. That's craneshares, K-R-A-N-E, shares.com. Okay. And final words for our listeners. We very much appreciate the opportunity to provide our Uh, balanced perspective on what's taking place in China's economy and capital markets. Brendan, thank you very much. And uh, keep smiling. And as an Irishman, uh, hope uh, you you continue to create great stories for to to continue that legacy here. Uh, We're very, everyone here is very appreciative, Charlie, of your support. You've been uh, just a fantastic friend of ours. And uh, we very much uh, look forward to reconnecting again, hopefully in the near future. Okay, Brendan, thank you very much. Again, we've been talking with Brendan Ahern, Chief Investment Officer of Crane Shares, now owned by CICC with very deep pockets, and uh, about to, uh, just having recently launched OBOR on the One Belt, One Road initiative of China, their index ETF. So uh, you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, and uh, we'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 